Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. It's good to begin by singing songs like that, isn't it? Saying, only a God like you could be worthy of our praise. As we gather here this morning, we just want to affirm that the only reason we're here is because of God and all that he's done in our lives. And we want to affirm him this morning as Lord of our life. If uh, you're here for the first time, we hope that you sense that God is in this place that this is a place where uh, God wants to meet with you and transform your life and change you. And uh, we hope this morning's service will just be so uh, great in helping and encouraging you to come to know him more and more. Hey, it's great to be on a long weekend, isn't it? If you are up here uh, from Melbourne for the long weekend, Down to Melbourne on um, Friday, and uh, on the way back, there was so much traffic coming up. I didn't realise Wodonga was such an important place to come. I don't think they were all coming to Wodonga, actually, but they were coming in this direction. Um, we want to say welcome to the families of uh, two uh, little girls that are going to be dedicated just uh, shortly. We want to welcome the Christie's, Christie family over here in this corner. Thanks to all your family who have come up. It's great that you're here and we want to say welcome to you and welcome too to the crows um, who have brought their little daughter today to be baptised too. So why don't we welcome those uh, family and friends this morning. And the pastor of Wangaratta Baptist, Ian, and his wife Helen are here as well. So we just want to uh, welcome them too on holidays. It's great that you guys are here. It's great to see you. I wonder if... Uh, Kathy and Aaron, are they here this morning at the early service? Next service. They're going to be here at the next service. So um, we've been praying for Kathy and Aaron. And um, we've got some... It's not working, is it? I better stay there. Yep. Um, we've got some up updated news. And, and the great news is that she's planning to come to the next service. She was operated on not just Thursday, but Thursday the week before... And um, we, we had great news that her tumour had been removed and she was back here in Wodonga um, on Tuesday and um, she's going really well. The only um, thing that we've heard that is different from what we originally heard is we sh I shared last week that the tumour, they um, had found that it was uh, benign. Cathy uh, actually found out on Friday that they've done some tests on the tumour and it actually was malignant. It was um, a grade three tumour, which means that it um, has moderate activity. So what that means, they, they actually took the whole tumour and uh, they're really pleased that the whole thing has gone. But because it was a malignant tumour, if there's any little bits at all remaining, um, there's a possibility that would grow and because it's a grade three, it might keep, keep growing. So um, they're now, Kathy and Aaron are now waiting six weeks and then they'll be looking at different treatment that would be appropriate, um, like chemo or uh, radiotherapy or both together. So um, we just keep them in our prayers as now that's the next step in the journey, the treatment um, that will address that. But um, she's going well and seems to be really uh, happy. She, she's really trusting in God. You know, she says, look, the whole issue of uh, healing is secondary for me to knowing God more and growing deeper and learning from him right through this experience. So she's saying, I just want to trust in God right through it all. So 
Um, we'll join her with that in just praying that through this whole experience, God would be so real and that their strength and trust in him would just grow deeper and deeper. So thanks for your prayers. I also want to let you know some uh, things on the front of the news sheet. The Fun and Feast Day is uh, coming, and that's this Thursday, so come along to that. That would be great if you are available, 10 a.m. Another thing is our Life Force program. They're such a key part of our church's life. The, the passionate thing we believe is that God not only wants you to come to know him, but he wants one, you to two, live your one, life two, one, two, uh, being, becoming more and more one, two, like Christ. One, two, he wants you to grow more and more one, two, mature in your faith. And these programs from the Life Force help uh, you grow in all different areas. Valiant man, woman to woman, um, man to man, search for life, how people grow, uh, parenting courses, um, kids with courage, marriage in Richmond weekends. Now today, all the information about that is all available this morning. It's the first week it's become available in a, a brochure form and you can get that at the information desk and the courses are starting in just a few more weeks time. So would you get those and enrol in a course that you'd like to, to continue to grow in one of these areas? So that would be great. Life force, be part of that, it's exciting. Another thing that I just find incredible is that each week we come here and you can almost smell the church so clean. You know, we have uh, cleaners that come in on Saturday morning and they come and clean the church. And you know what would happen is if you were to be part of the cleaning roster that helps our church be clean every week, do you know what it takes? It takes an hour and a half a month currently uh, of your time. Every every two months, an hour and a half every two months. Uh, and the end result is that we come in here on Sundays, or we come in here at different times when we use the church, and it just looks fantastic. And it's an honour to God. So if you're not on the cleaning roster, and you think, I've got an hour and a half every two weeks where I can be part of a team and serve, I just encourage you, just an hour and a half on a Saturday in your own time would be great. So consider that. Hey, today is a new day for us because we're starting a new series. Uh, we're starting a series from the book of Colossians and we're just going to go through uh, the whole book uh, verse by verse and just saying, uh, God, you know, what, what do you want to say to us? One of the key themes in, in Colossians that runs right through it all is that, you know, Christ is Lord of all and you just need to trust in him. Keep him Lord of all because he's the supreme one. So we're calling our whole series Christ Above All, Christ Above All. So why don't we turn in our Bibles this morning to Colossians, the book of Colossians, and we're going to spend seven weeks, this is the first of seven weeks where we'll be looking through um, this book, Christ Above All. And this morning's message is going to be called uh, A Church Transformed. And we look at the way uh, Jesus or the gospel had transformed this church. They'd, they'd come to trust in Jesus and they'd been transformed. So let's have a look. Colossians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. It is written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. 
We always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. You do this because you are looking forward to the joys of heaven as you have been ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere just as it changed yours that very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. Epaphras, our much-loved co-worker, was the one who brought you the good news. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us in your place. He is the one who told us about the great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have continued praying for you ever since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then the way we live, the way you live, will always honour and please the Lord. And you will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while you will learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all our sins. And we look forward to uh, opening God's word together and seeking, uh, listening to his, his, his word this morning and his voice. Let's pray, shall we? God, we want to thank you that we're here this morning. On this uh, Queen's birthday weekend, we, your church, are gathered together. And God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that as we've come and as we've, we've come to this building and this place, that we gather with one another, people who trust in you, people who are beginning to trust in you, people that are, are coming just for the first time perhaps to realise more of who you are. And God, as we gather, we just thank you for the fact that you are here. You're risen from the dead, Lord Jesus. And you're wanting to meet with us this morning, to speak to us, to change our lives. God, we're thankful. And we give you praise. Speak to us, Lord, this morning. Change our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the joys of um, being part of a church family is to welcome people to our church and this morning we want to welcome two very little people into our family and uh, we'd ask the families uh, uh, David and Fiona Christie to bring little Ava and Robert and Janita Crow to come up with their little daughter Rachel as well. Why don't we welcome them as they come up.
us. And uh, welcome to your little children, beautiful two little daughters. And we want to welcome family and friends. And um, this morning, you guys have brought your children to this church. And you've brought them before the Lord together. And as you do this, do you know the truth is that you're doing just what Joseph and Mary did with their uh, son, Jesus. They brought him to the temple and they presented him too. And in doing this, you're recognising that these children are God's gift to you, but they ultimately belong to him. You recognise that you're their parents and you have lots of responsibilities before them. But as parents, you have responsibilities before God too. So today, uh, you're going to publicly commit yourselves to bringing these children up and to, to you fulfilling those responsibilities. And we as a church, we've come uh, together and we're going to welcome these babies this morning. And uh, we're going to welcome them just like Jesus welcomed little children in his ministry. We also want to acknowledge that we as a church have some responsibilities to these children as well. Our responsibilities are to encourage them, uh, to encourage them in their faith as they grow, um, to, to be able to uh, build friendships with them that will encourage them to know Christ. This is what um, happened in, in Jesus' ministries when he came across children. This is what it says in Mark 10 and verse 13 to 16. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very displeased. And he was displeased with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. Then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads. And he blessed them. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 6 and verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These are words for us as we seek to impact the lives of our children and for you as you impact the lives of yours. Let's pray together, giving thanks. God, we want to praise you this morning. We want to praise you, God, because you're the creator of everything. You give us life and you give us breath. And God, you give us each new day. This day is a gift from you. God, you are our Father. We just want to say right now, thank you, God, for the joy that you have given us because Ava and Rachel have been born. So thank you for the joy that they've given their family. And we thank you for the incredible miracle that it is that these children have been born. Thank you for their new lives. God, thanks for all that you've given to them already in providing families. And thank you for the good things that you're going to give to the people that they meet through them. 
Oh God, as we stand here this morning, these children have such potential in their lives, so many unlived days, so many things that lie before them. Thanks, God, for them. Thanks for the love that they've stirred up and for the care that surrounds them. You're a good God and we praise you. Amen. Now we ask the parents this morning to respond to these promises. We ask them to make them before us and, and before God. So I ask these questions to you. David and Fiona, Robert and Janita, do you thank God for his gift to your children, of your children? And do you accept the joys and the duties of parenthood, promising to love and to care for them? We do. Great. And do you promise to bring up your child within the Christian community and to share with her your own faith and trust in Jesus Christ? We do. We do. And now let me ask you, uh, congregation, um, and as I say these, if you agree, would you just say, we do as well? Do you promise to offer Ava and Rachel and their families your love and your care and to join with their parents in sharing our Christian faith with them? Great. Well, let's stand together as we pray. And now we're, we're going to pray for God's blessing on their lives. Oh God, our Father, we pray for Ava and for Rachel. God, we pray that these children may know your love and your power at work in their lives and in their homes as they grow up. God, we pray for the parents, that as they parent, that they would be those that are, are committed to receiving your love and to passing that on. God, we pray that these children, as they grow, would become aware of your work in their lives. Oh God, take the, all that we offer, Ava and, and Rachel, our care, our wisdom, our mistakes, and through them, God, would you reveal yourself God, take the experiences which they will have. And God, would you speak your gracious word into their lives as they grow, God, in mind and body and in spirit. Oh, guide them, Lord. Guide these children. And bring them safely through their early childhood and to their youth. And, and God, would you lead them to a point in their life where they would come to know that you are their Lord and their Saviour. Oh, God, we ask your blessing on their future. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just want to ask uh, David and Fiona, what have you uh, named your child? Ava Ellen May Christmas. Great. Let me take Ava from you and um, let me just pray a, a blessing on her. Ava, Ellen, May, Christy. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. It's beautiful, isn't she? Now, Robert and Janita, what have you named your child? Rachel Elizabeth Crow. Great. She's looking very <laughs> sleepy, isn't she? Don't miss this moment, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel Elizabeth Crow. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. What a gorgeous baby. Well, we look forward to continuing to encourage your children and praying for them. And we just want to um, present now these two little certificates that you'll be able to remind them of this significant moment in their lives. God bless you guys. Please take your seats. Well, it's, uh, it's great to have a good wife, and I've got a good one, and she's been pointing out that I said, welcome to this ch children's baptism. Did I say that? Don't quote that anywhere, will you? <laughs> Uh, the, the truth is that for us as, as uh, a Baptist church, we don't baptise infants. We have a, a, a dedication of the parents and a presentation of the children. And the reason is because we really don't feel that ch the children can make uh, any response of faith of their own. And so we baptise believers. So there, uh, that was just a mistake, you know. <laughs> um, but what we're about to do now is to just acknowledge some people that have become members of our church. The way um, you become members of our church is through trusting in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him and you uh, ask him to come into your life. Uh, it's a time where you turn from sin, you acknowledge your sin, you say, God, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do to earn your forgiveness, but you've sent Jesus to die in my place and I'm trusting in your death on the cross for my salvation. That's the first step towards membership. The second step is you say, well, God, now that I've done that in my heart, I want to publicly uh, testify uh, to what you've done. And through baptism, uh, people are baptised. And we witnessed people getting baptised last uh, week, um, seven people last Sunday. And it was, it was a great time to, to watch that. Um, what's happened inside is publicly de declared. And then when people have trusted in Jesus Christ, when they've put their faith in him, they become, uh, they're welcomed, they apply for membership and people come and visit them and they talk about how they became Christians and their journey and then it's brought before our church meeting and together we just affirm their application and they become members of the church. And so we've got three people this morning that we just want to invite uh, to come up now and they're Fred and Marianne Shawler and Scott Come up, Scott, as well. Why don't we welcome them? <laughs> Scott, welcome in the name of the Lord to membership and, and to becoming part of our church. I think it was just through the 40 days, wasn't it, when you first started coming? And uh, it's great. We've witnessed your baptism a while ago, and it's just wonderful that you're um, part of 
becoming a member t uh, today. Thank you. Great. And also to Fred and to uh, Marion as well. Great. Welcome into membership. Uh, and we look... I got those around the front. Is that what you're saying? No, I knew what was going on. Pardon? Oh, and Robert and Renata, you here too? Great, Robert and Renata. <laughs> just move up just a little bit more, Fred and, Fred and Marion. Come on, come on. Come on. Um, now, just also, we want to welcome you and we're, we want to say it's great. We've got to know you so well over uh, such a, uh, a, a time. I've been here for two years and known you so well and we're looking forward to continuing to worship to God together and grow. And Robert and Renata, welcome. Great. It's just wonderful that you guys are becoming church members as well. And we look forward to continuing to journey together in all that we do. Yes. We have, we have another two, Tim and Melissa. Tim and Melissa. <laughs> Isn't he fabulous? What a morning. Move, move along, you guys. Great. Come come with him, Melissa. It was great last week to witness you guys' baptism as well. And we just want to welcome you as members in the church, it's fabulous. And uh, any, anyone else? <laughs> well, why don't we, as we stand up there, why don't we just now pray uh, for these, these people together. God, we thank you that your church is uh, on the move, that you're working in people's lives and in people's hearts. God, we thank you for people that say, hey, I just don't wanna be an attender. I wanna be part. I want this to be my church. God, we thank you for these people here. Thank you for uh, their trust in you, their declaration of faith in baptism and their desire to be part of your family here at Wodonga. Oh God, would you bless their lives. Holy Spirit, would you empower them to live every day using their gifts and their abilities to serve you and to live their lives daily. Oh and God, would you be glorified through all that they do. Thank you for their trust in you, Lord Jesus. And we just look forward to all that you'll do through these people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Great stuff, guys. And um, I remember one day just spotting Mandy from the other side of the, the church. I was in the back row and she was preaching that night. And my heart started to flutter and um, I sort of made eyes a bit, but I don't think she noticed. But what happened in the time after that was our relationship began to flourish and it grow, grew more and more, you know, exciting as we went on until I came before the church and said, I do. Then everything changed from then. <laughs> in the fact that I changed from a single man to a married man. My, my status in life, my identity was no longer a single man, but a married man. I remember uh, Mandy and I finding about the fact that we were uh, gonna have a baby and we were very excited about that. And we started to tell people slowly and um, all these things started to happen. but on the actual day when Alexandra was born, my, well, I don't know when exactly the time was, but this is when I remember it, whether it was when she was first conceived or when she was born, my status 
changed. I was not just a husband anymore. I became a father. My whole status had changed completely. And there are times, aren't there, in life when we realise that who we are has changed dramatically, been transformed. Sometimes like a, a caterpillar that is sitting there by itself having struggling to get from one end of a branch to another or from one end of, of a plant to another to suddenly finding that they've been transformed into a beautiful butterfly. The change has been incredible. The transformation staggering. And Paul today writes in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14 and he's writing to a church that has been transformed. It's like when uh, Jesus, uh, when Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 15, uh, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And Paul writes to this church that would, had been transformed. They'd been transformed by the gospel. And as you uh, look at the, uh, if you have the passage in front of you, you'll be able to follow along as well. And Paul begins this letter and he writes, this letter is from Paul. And Paul is Paul the apostle, the one who wrote so much of our New Testament. Uh, Paul who was met on the road to Damascus when his name was Saul and he came face to face with the risen Christ. Christ had transformed him and now he was the one that was writing to these people in Colossae. And he, he, he'd been chosen by God to be an apostle. And he'd been an apostle because apostles were those that had seen Christ, the risen Christ. And he'd been called, he'd met Jesus, been transformed, and now was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he wrote to the church and he said to them, um, I'm writing to you as an apostle. And I'm writing with my brother Timothy. Now, Timothy had nothing to do really with the writing of this letter, but Paul would often refer to people that were with him or that were labouring with him um, to kind of say that it's not just Paul's writings here, it's got some authority and Timothy is part of this too. He's someone who I uh, confirm and, uh, and affirm as a fellow labourer in Christ. And he writes to them. And I wonder what was happening um, at the time when Paul was writing this. Well, it seems that Paul was in prison. He was uh, in Rome. And at the time when he was imprisoned in Rome, he was under house arrest. Remember when we looked at, at uh, joy and we looked at a series on Philippians. We went right through Philippians and we talked about the fact that Paul was in prison in Rome awaiting his you know, eminent, um, not knowing what the future was going to hold for him. And death was a real possibility for him. And we think that it wasn't long after Philippians that Paul actually died. Well, it seems that these uh, letters were written, this letter to the church in Colossae was written just before he wrote uh, Philippians, maybe a year earlier while he was under house arrest in Rome. But there's a different feel in this letter to the feeling that Paul was experiencing in uh, Philippians because there was an urgency there, but here it doesn't seem to be that urgency. So it's probably a year before he wrote Philippians. And it seems that uh, Ephesians and Philemon, those two letters to those uh, in, the, in the New Testament were written at the same time, in the same year, AD 60, it seems. So Paul's in prison around AD 60 
in Rome and he's writing to the church in Colossae. Now, what was this city? Uh, if, we, if we were today having some great uh, Christian leader in Melbourne writing to the church in Wodonga, it would be interesting to think about what Wodonga was like, wouldn't it? To understand a bit about that. Well, what, what was the city of Colossae like that Paul was writing to the Christians in there about? Well, here's where it was. Um, here's a bit of a rough map about it. Uh, there, there you have it right there, uh, Colossae, and next to it, Ephesians as well. And this, this city, um, just a, several hundred years before Paul's day and before his time, was a thriving city, the city of Colossae. It had been a, a really important city in Asia Minor, and that's present-day Turkey today. And it was located um, in the Lycris River, right next to the Lycris River. And so there was lots of water around. Uh, a couple of hundred years before Paul's time, they had all these sheep grazing around uh, Colossae. And so what happened is they used to shear the sheep and they'd have all this wool and they would colour the wool red and sell the wool. So uh, Colossian red was a colour that was known in those times because it all happened at, uh, at Colossae. And uh, so they had... Not only um, wool was, was one of their strong points, they also grew figs in, in the well-watered um, areas and olives as well. But this was a couple of years before Paul's time and when Paul was actually writing the letter to them, things had changed. It seemed that there'd been an earthquake in just the year before uh, the letter was written and it had really devastated the city of Colossae and they had to move the whole city um, away from where it was in originally. And, and it, it, it sort of lost its prominence. There's another city right close by called Laodicea and Laodicea was growing in prominence and in its, uh, you know, uh, trade and everything like that. And out of that then Colossia had gone downhill uh, as, as far as the city. So Laodicea, just right around it, w was taking over all the population and everything. And so at this stage it wasn't a significant city, Colossi. It was kind of like a, you know, a market place where, where people came and gathered, but it wasn't a real great city of prominence. And what about the church at Colossae? It seemed that um, during Paul's uh, ministry at a, in Ephesus, he spent three years there, but while he was ministering there, it seemed that what had happened was Epaphras, one of the people that were there with him, had, had become a Christian. And he'd been converted and he'd gone and taken the good news, the message of the gospel from where Paul was ministering in Ephesus and he took it back to the people at Colossae. And as he shared the gospel with him, this church was formed and the young church began to grow. And it seems that what had happened in this time, now this young church that had believed what Epaphras had told them about the gospel and had accepted it wholeheartedly, it seems were now in danger of feeling like they had to add more to the gospel than what Epaphras had shared. There were people that were false teachers. There were people that were kind of heretics that were coming in and saying, you know, you didn't really, really hear exactly all the things right. You know, like uh, Epaphras was pretty good at sharing, but he didn't give you the full things. There's more things that you need. And some of the things that uh, were, were threatening the life of the church in Colossae were things like uh, an emphasis by these false teachers on ceremon uh, ceremonialism, you know, uh, doing uh, things like um, 
eating the, a certain kind of food that has been prepared ceremonially in the right way or uh, f doing festivals or being involved in circumcision, you know, that this was still something they were saying you must do as, as a Christian, some of these false teachers. Uh, other things were something called asceticism, you know, where you put your body through rigours to show your devotion to uh, a God that was common in those days. You know, like you, you went without food or you, you know, did, did things to yourself to show that you were putting your body under duress because of your love for God. There was kind of a, uh, this in, in, verse, in chapter 2 and verse 21, uh, Paul writes, you know, those people that say, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. You know, this is the uh, asceticism that was, uh, that was really flowing into the church. There was also angel worship seemed to be prevalent. You know, there's this feeling that the spiritual was holy, but the physical, the body was not. And so they would say, uh, you know, we worship angels and these angels are the things that make us right before God. And, and this was creeping in. And it seems like there was a real um, depreciation of who Christ was. And that's why Paul in chapters, uh, chapter 1 verses 15 to 20 just talks about the supremacy of Christ over and above all. Because it seems that these teachers were undermining Christ's authority. There seemed to be a bit of a secret knowledge too. You know, if you... Just uh, learn these other secret things. Then you'll be really godly. And uh, some people were, were really putting up human wisdom and human tradition as being very important for the gospel. So it seems like what was happening was there was a mixture of Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish faith as well as Gnosticism that was sn uh, sneaking in. This Gnosticism, like this greater knowledge that was sneaking in to the church. And... Paul had heard about that because Epaphras, who had gone from Ephesus to Colossae, had been sharing the gospel and he came back to Paul in prison now and he said, you should hear what's going on at Colossae. You know, there are some real dangers there of this false teaching taking over, so we better do something about it. So Paul writes from prison this letter to try and address some of those uh, issues and to try and um, do that. And he starts off, in chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14 by actually talking then about how he has recognised that this church has been a church that's been transformed. Look what he, look what he writes. You know, we always thank God. Uh, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he thought about the church in Colossae, he, he praised God and he gave thanks to God for what was happening in their church. So even though there were some dangers there, uh, overall Paul was really thrilled with the fact that, uh, uh, with the people of, of Colossae, with the church there. And why was he so uh, able to praise God and give thanks? Well, it, he writes, because we've heard that you trust in Jesus Christ. See, Paul knew that they were transformed because they trusted in Jesus. And there were three things uh, that really uh, Paul praised God for. And the first one was that they trusted in Jesus. I wonder this morning, if you could just put your hand out like that and go, try that. That's the first thing I want you to get. They put their trust in Jesus Christ. It's kind of faith. You know, uh, you know, like when Jesus was in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, build your house on the rock not on the sand you know because what happens when when the 
wind and the rain starts to come and the water's come up, the house that's built on the sand just, you know. So in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus talked about building your house on the rock and he was thrilled and he was praising God because he's heard that their trust, they trust in Christ. Uh, if I was to um, look at a, a, a chair and to think, do I trust that chair enough to put my whole weight and faith on that chair? Uh, if I didn't, then I'd probably just kind of you know, pick it up and look it over and make sure that it was going to be safe to sit on. But when I trust it fully, I put my whole weight onto the chair, believing that it is going to hold me. And Paul has said, I give thanks and praise because you people in Colossae put your trust and faith in, in God. You put your faith in Christ. The second thing that he praises God for is because he says that you love all of God's people. So, you know, faith in Christ and love of all of God's people. You know, kind of gathering around together, you know, loving all God's people. Why don't we try that? Faith in Christ, loving all God's people. This is kind of uh, nice, isn't it? This is, so you'll remember it this week as you, as you go home. So... First of all, not only did they trust in Christ, but they loved all of God's people. You see, this is quite a natural outflowing of the first thing. Because when you put your trust and your faith in Christ, when you realise that he, Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, and it's only through him that you can have forgiveness of sin, then when you put your faith and trust in him, Jesus comes into your life. His Holy Spirit comes into you. And you know what the Bible says about God? It says that God is love. And therefore, if Jesus is at work in your life, if God is at work in your life, you become someone who's receiving the love of God and you give that to others. So the evidence of love in your life is evidence that you trust in Jesus Christ. You love other people. And the people in Colossae, Paul says, I look at them and I think, wow, what a loving people group of people they are. They love God's people. I wonder... If Paul was to look and say, hey, church at Wodonga, church at Wodonga, oh, I thank God and I praise God because your faith in Christ. Well, I think he would. You know, we look back and this church has been here 50 years now. And, you know, there's been people that have come and gone. There's been people that have been families that have arrived and, and moved on. And there's been pastors that have come and, and led the church and then uh, have also moved on. But the one thing that has remained all the time is that there has been a deep, passionate faith in Jesus Christ that has sustained this church, that has ensured that he is held up above all, Jesus Christ. And I think that's why God continues to bring people and to change lives because we trust in Christ. And I just love it every time when I hear people say, I came to the church and it was completely different to what I thought it would be. You know, afterwards, instead of everyone just going home, people stayed and they talked. We had a cup of coffee and we shared. I, I love hearing other people saying that I'm in a small group and, uh, and that I might go or call someone and say, how's it going? And they say, great, look, my small group's been able to help us out and they've taken care of things and they're praying for us. And you can see the love of God is working amongst us. You know, I, I just love it when I hear people uh, saying that they meet people at work or in the street or they talk and the love of God is shared and people come to know Jesus through those things. Church at Wodonga, 
challenge to us to love, uh, have our faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ, and out of that to flow a love for one another. And then Paul says, and, 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 and I hear that you love all of God's people. You do this because you are looking forward to the joys of heaven. Looking forward, expectantly waiting for the joys of heaven. Let's try that. Your faith in God, your love of God's people, and waiting expectantly for the joys of heaven. What a great way to live, hey? Uh, no wonder Paul praises God and gives thanks because these people had so put their faith in God, they'd started loving each other, but also what was happening was now that they were living their lives in expectation that one day they would go to heaven and that they would uh, be in heaven and knowing all the joy that would flow from that. You know, our society today, don't we, we, we don't talk about death much. I mean, if you're ever at a party and you, things are just getting a bit lulling in the conversation, you say, let's talk about our upcoming imminent deaths. <laughs> it's not going to be a real party leveller, is it? Because society, we, we want to avoid the issue of death. In fact, we want to do everything we can to prolong our lives. In, in, in fact, you know, uh, all, all the time, we, uh, so many people in society live as though death is the end. Death is final. Uh, death is painful and horrible and to be avoided at all costs. So it's staggering that this ch- church of people have said, that it, Paul says, you're actually looking forward to the joys of heaven. You know, I, I don't think we all have to just be looking forward to death. You know, death sometimes can be very painful and sad because we lose, you know, loved ones and, and people go. And it is a time of grieving when we lose people that we love. But it's not a time of despair. It's a time of sadness and, and, and sorrow, but not despair as if there is no end. Because there is uh, the hope of heaven, which drives those who belong to him. So Paul says, I, I just thank God, I rejoice because of your faith in God, for your love for God's people, and you're living with this expectant hope that death is not the end, that there's joy in heaven, and you're going to inherit it because you live for him. He said, you've, you've been this way ever since you heard the good news. The, this, the news that uh, came to you uh, from, uh, from Epaphras. And this news has been changing lives, not just in Colossae, but it's been changing lives all throughout the world, everywhere. And it's changing lives just the way that your lives were changed as well. Did you know um, this faith, this hope, this love that comes from the gospel was making a huge impact in the world at this time. Rodney Starr, a professional sociology, uh, a professor of sociology at the University of Washington, has written a book called The Rise of Christianity. And he calculated um, how it is that uh, Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire. And it spread at the rate of 40% per decade. So in the year 40 AD, a few years after Jesus died, there were roughly 5,000 Christians in the world. Uh, That was just uh, 5,000 Christians in the world just a few years after Jesus had died. And that looks pretty insignificant and uh, negligible. Negligible. Negligible, that's it. Uh, That was 0.0075% of the population of the Roman Empire. But then it starts to spread and it starts to uh, keep growing 
until by 350 AD, there are about 33 million people who trust in Christ. That's 56% of the Roman Empire who named the name of Jesus. Paul was not mucking around when he said that all over the world, you know, not literally in every single place, but the gospel was being spread and changing lives everywhere. And you know why? Because Jesus wants to change our lives. He wants to change our lives. And he was rejoicing and he was thrilled about that. And then Paul talks about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, our much-loved worker, is the one that brought you this good news and he's Christ's faithful servant. And he's helping us in your place. So Paul was saying, you know, because you guys at Colossae aren't able to come and help me in my ministry, he's, he's actually serving as well. And he's helping me right now by comforting me and being with me while I'm in prison as well. And he's the one who's passed on this message. So Paul gives thanks and praise to God for their faith in Christ. And then he goes into this prayer. And we, we aren't going to deep delve right into the depth of it this morning. But this prayer basically is Paul saying, well, it's fabulous that you've been transformed, people of Colossae. It is wonderful about your faith and your love and your hope. That's a cause for praise and thanksgiving. But my prayer for you, people, he says, is that you will continue to grow. Uh, first of all, he says, uh, we ask that you would that God would give you, in our prayers, we pray that God would give you a complete understanding of his will, that you, that he would, that you would really know what he wants you to do with your lives, people at Colossae. And, and the call for us today is to say, people of Wodonga, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ and are demonstrating love and are waiting to, for the day when we'll be in heaven with him forever, Paul would be saying, I'm just praying. Let's pray for each other that we would know God's will in our lives. Not only that, that we would grow in, to be spiritually wise. That doesn't happen overnight. It's hard to grow spiritually wise. We have to keep wrestling with God's word. We have to keep praying. We have to keep seeking advice from other mature Christians, coming along each week with open hearts and learning. And so, therefore, Paul, Paul says, well, the way we can do that is by enduring and having patience. That's down in verse 11. So that's what we need you to have to keep going so that right through your life you will continue to grow. You will continue to grow. And so that this growth will continue and you'll be those that will be able to share in this inheritance, both now but when you come to stand before him. Paul says, we have been transformed. We hope in him, we love one another, we wait for the future. We continue to grow to spiritual maturity every single day. And Paul prays that they would. Why? Because the truth of what has happened is real. It's transforming. It's like from chalk and cheese. It's from the difference between day and night, what's happened in our lives, those that respond to the gospel. He says... He's rescued us, pulled us out, rescued us from the one who rules the kingdom of darkness, from Satan's grips. He's, he's rescued us from being in his domain and under his authority and he's pulled us out into the kingdom of 
God's son. You see, you get this picture of us not being able to help ourselves, not being able to stand before God and show our own righteousness. We're all sinful. We're all people that haven't, can't stand before a holy God. But we get this image of Jesus ripping us out of the, the kingdom of darkness and transforming us into this whole new kingdom, kingdom of light. God has purchased our freedom with his blood as we've reflected today. When he died on the cross, he made this possible. And he's forgiven us of all our sins. And Paul will say in this letter to the people at Colossae, you don't have to add anything to that. You just trust in Jesus Christ. Keep being those that have faith in him, that love each other, that hope for the future. And keep being those that grow every day in spiritual wisdom and spiritual growth. Enduring with patience so that others might come to know him and so that one day you will stand before Jesus and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant." Have you been transformed? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Are you loving others? Are you waiting in hope and expectation? Well, why don't we pray now that God would help us to keep growing every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your transforming work in our lives. You have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you've brought us into the kingdom of your son. Oh God, help us to live in that today. Help us to be those that have faith in you. God, help us to be those that love others and wait with expectation for your coming. And God, help us to be those that don't stop that don't rest on on something we've done in the past, but keep growing every single day to become more and more like you. God, help us to be those that live with you, Lord Jesus Christ, above all, first in our lives, for your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we'd just love you to fill out, uh, take a blue card. They're in your news sheet this morning. Um, uh, it's just a little blue card which has a place for you to put your name and address. We just love everybody this, to, to be able to do that this morning if you can. And then um, if there's any way you want to respond on the back, there are places for you to respond. We're going to give you just a few minutes now to respond um, at this time.